Jeremy Pena has set the stage here for Jordan Alvarez, one of the most feared hitters in the game. Representing the winning run for the Astros. And Alvarez belts it! Deep to right field! Gets it goodbye! Unbelievable! The Astros a walk-off win! Jordan Alvarez a walk-off three-run homer! And the Astros stun the Mariners in game one of the division series! Incredible! Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Center cut curveball, but it was nasty. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Verlander deals a 3-2. And a called strike three. T.C. Martin. And now the Astros with a runner at first for Alex Bregman. And Bregman sends one deep into left center field. This is way back. And it is gone. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Verlander with strikeout number nine. The doctor is now in. Yes, uh, we are back here on a wild Wednesday edition of the TC Martin Show. It is Wednesday, right? I am a little confused. I believe so, sir. I have no idea what day it is. By the way, it's nice to see you finally. Finally. I I was going back trying to figure, when was the last time I was in this studio? It, it was, was two weeks ago? Was, yeah, on a Thursday. It was because a Thursday. Friday we did the Superbook, Westgate, right? Then it was gone, right? Yep. Is that it? All week gone. And we got to start the show off, though, and, and, and thank you to my gracious fill in hosts, all right? C Win, Jose Volante, TJ Reeves. Uh, the list prob- probably goes on and on and on. Who else am I missing? I mean, yourself, Marco Ty- D'Angelo. Marco, yeah. You know? See uh, when and, and why am I drawing Brian Feldman? Did Feldman come in? No, no, he was on vacation. That, he, that was the day he was on vacation. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, this is this no, is no KT. This, no, this is great. Yeah. Well, anyway, so those guys did a whole bunch of shows for me. Yeah. So I appreciate that as well. So we're back here in studio today on this uh, Wild Wednesday edition of the show, and uh, as we winding down the end of August. The calendar flips. It's football. As I like to say, it's our January 1st, basically, because our whole year starts right after Labor Day with football season starts and and all that stuff. So uh, looking forward uh, to that. And because it's kind of like our end of our sports calendar year, it is time for our very special show. This is going to happen tomorrow, baby. I can't wait. That's it. So I got a lot of work tonight. So the breaking news, I think we should say breaking news because if you don't know, the third annual T.C. Martin Show Song Fest will take place tomorrow. That's three. That's three. Volume three tomorrow. Now, if you haven't listened before, uh, you definitely want to listen tomorrow where we take a break away from sports. We just put the sports to the side and... You know, our two biggest loves here are sports and music. Well, and food, if we count that as well, too. Maybe we'll sprinkle in some food tomorrow. Maybe. There's no time to eat during that show, though. No, there's not. You know not. what I'm saying? Because it's boom, boom, boom. It's yeah. nonstop. So, yeah, it is the, the third annual T.C. Martin Show Song Fest where we play you some of our favorite songs that has meaning and uh, specifically our regular guests. And uh, each year... We pack this in to close to what 20 guests, which is nearly impossible to do. Yeah. And when we started this idea, which 
you had. It was me and you and Quake. I think right? no, I think it was, it was me and Frank. Frank, yeah. It was me yeah, and Frank yeah. just kind of BSing it, and like, hey, let's do well, this. Well, yeah, because you have so much music you incorporate in your show, so let's do a let's do let's do a song sh- show. And it's like, okay, we did. And like I said, the first two volumes great, and we get a chance to play those back on best of shows, especially on holidays. And we're going to do that on Monday as well too. So. If you miss it tomorrow, you can hear it back on Monday because we like to do that on, on Labor Day. Um, so yeah, uh, our star-studded guest list will be chiming in. I'm not even sure if I want to give away any names they're going to be doing. Just, you know, do the surprise thing, but, uh, it will match what we've done in the first two years. And we always do it, like I said, uh, usually on the Friday before Labor Day, but, uh, because, it's a huge college football weekend and our commitment to the Westgate of Las Vegas. We do our show on Friday. So we're going to do it tomorrow. So tune in tomorrow for the song fest show, uh, our all time favorite songs, our guest DJs from, uh, all over the globe, athletes, coaches, broadcasters. We'll leave it at that, but you know who a lot of the, uh, the staples are a lot of the regular handicappers, handicappers as, as well. So we've got all of that uh, for you tomorrow. Look forward to that, and we will hear. Uh, you'll hear a lot of great music coming your way tomorrow. I just saw a name that I didn't see before. Yeah, I'm ecstatic. Oh, so now you're looking at the. the I, I saw the, the, yeah. the master list, the playlist that's in the the that's the, in the works. As we, as, exactly. As, yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. The just, playbook, as we say. I just saw one of the names. I was like, oh yes, really? Yes. Which one was that? Do you want to say it or not say, or just you want to point to me or? You know, you're pretty excited. Under our guest today. Under our guest today. Under our guest today. Oh, I guess see who's on the show today. That's right. We got to do that. Um, oh yeah. 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 Like, and he's new. Yes. He's new. Yeah. Hasn't, hasn't been on one or two. He hasn't Love participated. It. So we try to mix it up. All right. And for the, there's so many of our guests that want to partake in this, but because of travel plans and schedule, it doesn't work that we can get everybody, so we just try to make it fair and n- not do the redundancy thing, but to incorporate some of the new ones that haven't part take before. But the others uh, are so good, you know, we got to give back. And here's one for you: our guest today. Let's tell you who's on the show today. So first of all, um, two of our guests today will be partaking. I'll tell you. All right, uh, Chris Bosio. We'll talk a little Major League Baseball with him. We got some serious pennant races going on. Trevor Maddich join us as well. And you know how serious those two guys take their time on the show, but specifically the song fest. Now, Bosio actually thinks true story. He said this to me today. I'm going, he thinks it's a competition. He goes, I'm going to win again. I win. What, what do you win? He goes, come up with the best song and the best story. Are we getting bad to the bone again? Well, that's funny. You bring that up. So, I said, okay, give me your song because you know, we put the memo out to everyone. That was that was part of my assignment. So Numchuck says, hey, you're going to be gone for a week, man. You know, we, we got to get on this the song fest show. I said, well, when I have some time on the road, I'll do it. So I put out the memo to everybody, right? And Bosio comes back with "Bad to the Bone." I go, listen, man. I go, we've already done that. Okay, you can't be a repeat offender. You can't give the same song. And so. <laughs> 
Uh, he goes, oh, man, he goes, but you know, that's my song. I used to warm up to that song. I used to come out of the bullpen to that song. That thing would be blaring. I said, okay, I, I get it. But you know what? I said, you're not a one-trick pony. So here's what I said to him. I said, did you have more than one pitch? Well, yeah. I said, what, you had fastball, curveball, slider, sinker, right? Yeah, all that stuff. So give me your number two. Give me another one. So he paused for like about 10 seconds, and he goes, I'm going to give you this. And when he gave me the song that he's going to use tomorrow, and again, has a special meaning for him, then uh, I said, oh, yeah. So he says, he goes, I'm going to win again. (laughs) It's not a contest. He goes, oh, no, it it is. He goes, yeah. He goes, because you you have to grade who has the best songs. I go, no, we're not doing that. But see how although, these athletes are. Although, hold on, see how you know what? They are? I kind of like this idea. Oh boy, here picking, we go. No, no, just picking like the MVP at the end of the show. Oh, I think we talked about that after year one, didn't we? Go yeah, back. We kind of we we did like, the next day. I think we went yeah. back, and it's a pretty good idea. It's a pretty good idea. Maybe Friday we announce the MVP. We would have to go back and, and talk about that. Have li- listeners partake in that as well, too. All right. Okay. Or I'm you down. know what? Tuesday. Because then yeah. they have two chances. They have fr- they have Thursday there and they have go. Monday. There you go. They can get a, get a hold of us, right? And then boom, and we'll, and we'll announce it Tuesday. See, that's some producing right there. There you go. So then, because of a terrible Tuesday, does that mean we got to throw somebody under the bus? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, good to be back. So tomorrow is the Song Fest show, two to four. Do not miss that Friday at the Westgate the Superbook. As we crank it up here, September 1st, and we begin the college football portion of the season, and then the NFL season will uh, partake on that following Thursday. So, yeah, we're here, baby. Ready to roll. So, yeah, I was scrolling Facebook and Twitter and all that fun stuff, and yeah. X or whatever it is. Yeah. Saw some bathrooms. <laughs> Do you want to oh, explain is, yourself on that? Is, is it time for TC's travel it's stories? T- it's tr- TC travel story yeah. time. We always talk about this too. Do, do we ever find we any have music we don't for have this? any music yeah, for this? Yeah, because a lot of times you because get you, some music because all of your stories are always so all over the place yeah. that you can't. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so gone for what seven eight days? Uh, road trip. We went Atlanta, Chicago, D.C., New York, back here. All right. So you want what? The the latest. I just saw the bathroom. The bathroom story. The bathroom stories. Wow. Let's work back. Okay. So the bathroom story. I made a post and it's so, I don't know what propelled me to, um, to make this post. That's what I'm trying to get at. Okay. I I don't know. I'm trying to figure out why you're making a post about a bathroom. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people are too. So here's the deal. Last trip to New York, which is about three weeks ago, right? Yes. I've always. I've gone through LaGuardia. I've gone through JFK. And I think we talked about this last time I came back. And so I went through LaGuardia last time. and I was blown away on how clean LaGuardia was because, so, you know, me, I start asking questions, right? Like, wow, what happened to this airport? Because I remember it was under construction way back when. Like, oh, no, it was like a five-year renovation process. It is pristine. And I'm talking about, like, carpeting, wall-to-wall carpeting. I'm talking about... uh Primo restaurants. I'm talking about not long lines in TSA. I'm just talking about just, you know, and I've been experiencing a lot of, of airports lately. 
And some of these airports are driving me nuts. So when I went to LaGuardia, I said, man, this is great. And I think I made the comment last time that, man, they've got some great restrooms here. So when I went through LaGuardia yesterday, I I come in and I go, okay, here. Oh, hey, this is a flashback. I'm at the exact same spot I was last time. And then I remember these restrooms. Well, let me veer off and go see if that was just, you know, kind of, uh, you know, an off guard one, you know, are, are are they all like this? Pristine. LaGuardia has the Taj Mahal of restrooms. All right. The Taj Mahal, my friend. You walk in there. First of all, you don't just walk in a restroom. And, you know, when you walk in a restroom, especially airport restroom, you're plugging your nose. I mean, you're, you know how I am. I'm OCD, you know, almost kind of a germaphobe. So it really bothers me, you know, and I don't like using airport restrooms. When I go to LaGuardia, I will save my restroom spot until I get there. That's how much. I mean, I would, I could, would consider eating a meal in the restrooms at LaGuardia. They have those really cool things. Oh, I thank love, you very much. Dude, those things are. So I posted a couple of pictures, right? So yeah, uh, the, the long version where the urinals are on the left. Now, of course, I had to be very careful when I did this because. Because there's guys in there. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't want to hear people. The bathroom, public bathroom. What's this guy doing here? He's, he's videoing, you know, me taking a leak. You know, what is that? You know? So I made sure. Creepy ass. I I made sure that it was empty and it was, it was relatively empty. Now, one guy had to wait because again, I didn't want to creep him off. Right, you creep anybody else. I did. Didn't want to do that. I didn't want to have a Larry David episode. Like you've seen the episode with Curb Your Enthusiasm. Larry's going like, Hey, you know, we, we, you know, wow, what you looking at there? Him and Muggsy Bogues in that one episode. And Muggsy goes, You looking at my D? Larry was. And Larry tried to blame the splash guard. He goes, Well, yeah, that's why, you, you know, you need to have the splash guard up there so you don't play peekaboo and then you get any of the, you know, drippings off anyway. But anyway, yes. We digress. It, we, thank you. But yeah, so I took a picture of those restrooms and really no one was in there. But then, you know, people started coming in after me and they gave me the look like, what's this guy doing? Hey, I'm, you know, Life Magazine here, my friend. There it is. I'm promoting these restrooms. Yeah, uh, clean, um, got some good music in there. Uh, there's an attendant in there at all times. Pristine restrooms. And again, this is a big deal. And as a couple of people made comments, they go, yeah, not like the Harry Reid airport. Oh man, that's true. They need an upgrade with that kind of stuff. But there are a lot of cities, most of the cities, their restrooms are not very good. But um, DC was good too. You know, and they had a lot of, no, I take that back. Maybe it wasn't DC. I had a layover in Denver on the way home. And I go, wow, this is almost like flashback of LaGuardia that these Denver restrooms are almost the same designer. So you know how it is like when you get like the architect of like an arena or a football stadium yeah. and then everybody kind of copies? I think something like that's going on with airport restrooms. Probably. I do. Right. I, I, I do. You know, because uh, they've got it going on over there. So that is my restroom story. It's a uh, pristine. And I said, you know what? I'm going to post about this. Now, did it turn you off? Did, were you laughing? Because I didn't no, know how was people just, was, were, were going to take so this. So here's my thing is, I never never know what to expect with you. <laughs> so, you know, I'm scrolling. I'm like, okay, there's going to be a food pick or something. Yeah. Nope. Just the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, this. Hey, uh, so after that picture, you know where I went directly? 
food. Absolutely. I, what'd you eat? Shake Shack. Shake Shack in the airport. Now there were there were plenty of now this was a little strange. Okay. Follow me on this one. So the three hour time difference, right? Okay. Okay. Twelve fifteen flight leaving LaGuardia yesterday. Twelve fifteen flight. Got you. Okay, got I'm, I'm following. Right. Now on, and I, I made I might need notes. And I made record time. Okay, made record time again. I, I have this now I'm getting kind of a bad habit of getting to the airport early because yeah, I told you my Chicago story, yeah. five thirty in the morning and I got there and because you were doing the whole White House thing, and you know, man, I had to get there. And it was fine; got there really early. Yeah, talk about so, that too. so Laguardia, uh, I get there and just roll through the pre-check, everything beautiful. And then I said, "Okay, I didn't eat at the hotel. I'm kind of hungry now." So, it's 11 a.m., and I said, "I'm probably not going to get a chance to eat again until I get back to Vegas." By the way, which I made a dinner reservation at. 11 o'clock that time, which would be 8 o'clock, right? I was going to ask you the, the math there, right? There. Yeah. So I said, I, I got to figure this out. Is it too early to go to Shake Shack? 11 a.m. West Coast time is? 8. 8 a.m. No. I had a double Shake Shack burger at 8 a.m. Pacific time. Why do you think in and outs 24 hour, 24-7? Why do you think all these places, all these burger places are... Wait, wait, is it? I don't think In N Out's 24 7. There's a couple that are. Really? Yeah. And they're eating, serving burgers at 7 8 in the morning? Yeah. That's very rare, as you know. But I, I know the one on. Yeah. D- by the yeah. Drop a Canna now, as, okay. as we're calling it. Is, okay. It is, it used to be. Yeah. I don't know if it still is. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, did the Shake Shack, you know, earlier. It's, and good. Then, and it's wait, a good choice. And waited to one of my favorite restaurants to have like a five. Five o'clock dinner last night when I, when I got back to Vegas, so it worked out perfectly. But yeah, uh, great restaurant choices. Was it a tasty burger though? It was a pretty tasty burger. Okay, yeah, it was pretty tasty. Okay, pretty 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 good. No, so yes, you mentioned the White House. The White House. Um, wow, uh, that was surreal. That was a great experience. It, it really was. And to be able to be included in that, uh, very grateful, very fortunate. So we get to the White House and, uh, you know, take the bus from the hotel uh, with the aces uh, to go. And so they had a very finite, definitive schedule that they laid out for us. Okay. So the team, the players went a little bit early because they had to go. Do the run through. Yeah. They had to go do the run through. So they were there quite a long time. So our bus was supposed to leave, I can't remember like it, um, you know, eleven thirty in the morning, right? Yeah. And but then for some reason everyone was ready, I guess because they were anxious. So the person with the aces says, Okay, let's go, let's get on the bus. We're a little bit early. So they get there and Secret Service meets us outside of the gate. And they go, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, Las Vegas Aces, we, we know who you are. You're not supposed to be here for another 23 minutes. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. So what does that mean? Uh, stay in the bus. By the way, it's 95 degrees in Washington, D.C. Luckily, we got a beautiful air-conditioned bus, right? Should we stand outside? And everyone's like dressed up, suits and that sort of thing, yeah. right? No, we're not going to stand outside. You know, wait. So the bus driver is doing laps around the White House, and we're counting down until we uh, still got 19 more minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> being Mr. Photog that you are, yeah. 
did you get any good White House picks? Like outdoor while you're circling, while, while you're doing the White House 500? Not really, because I'm not one for like shooting through windows in motion. Yeah. Because it comes across kind of, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. So I didn't. But I did get a couple when we were walking. I know you saw those. Yeah, right? I saw those. I thought those were pretty nice. Yeah. But yeah, so we get to the White House, uh, we get there early. We do that, that sort of thing. Uh, all of our seats are labeled. Okay. So we're in the, we're in the East Room. Uh, how many security checkpoints do you think you have to get through to go through, through the White House? To for, get through? For, yeah. Well, to, by the time you arrive, that there's probably property. two outside. There's probably. Yes, correct. Three as you get into the building. I think we did a total of four. I was going to say, there's yeah. probably like, I was going to say five or six. Yeah. Somewhere in it's that amazing. range. Amazing. Yeah. And you're going through, you know, this situation and then everyone's welcome to the White House. Welcome to the White House. And everyone has like one of those like, like, Look like they look like admirals, like a Navy outfit, yeah. and they're welcoming. And I was blown away how many quartets or musical, you know, do you see one post I had where the band was playing? Yeah. yeah. So, of course, me, you know, it resonates. The f- so we're walking, welcome to the White House, and they're sitting down chairs and they're playing violins. Isn't she lovely by Stevie Wonder? How cool is that? I mean, come on. And what song were they playing when we walked out? They were there like playing like all day. They played Don't Stop Believing. It's like Journey. I mean, what's going on here? Uh, an eclectic version of, of songs that, and it's not just this, this one quartet, or whatever. They've got him in like different parts of the White House that you're rolling through. This is it. Where'd you get it? Oh, I have my people. This is Washington, D.C. This is the White House. And we all start going like, oh, yeah, let's groove a little bit now. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're walking through there. We're taking pictures. And, you know, then we get to the East Room. And um, uh, VP Kamala Harris was a little bit tardy, a little bit late. But now I heard that was because she was sitting with talking to Nikki and everybody. She did, I heard there was a, a separate was, meeting. That was earlier. Okay. That w- but that was like very brief. Okay. But like, so no, the players are waiting and then they're going like, okay, like what's taking so long? And somebody said, uh, the vice president uh, will be with you shortly, but uh, she's doing something else that's important right now. <laughs> so that, 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 that's the word that we got. But no, it was pretty cool. It was very cool. Um, so the trophy was sitting up there. And I would say there's maybe around 200 people that are in the East Room there. Very, very cool. Um, Governor Sisolak was there. He was sitting in front of me. All right. Mayor Brown was sit- actually sitting to my right uh, there. So I was sitting in the second row. It was pr- pretty, pretty cool. And um, then the Aces players who were not part of the championship team, like Alicia Clark and Kayla George, uh, they were there sitting over over to the right. And then the players, and then Nikki Vargas, and Natalie Williams, and and you know uh, Matt Delson, and those uh, Larry Delson, they all they all came in, you know, and stood up there. And then Vice President Harris gave a beautiful speech, and not only talked about what the Aces, uh, you know, meant to Las Vegas, but the WNBA, women's sports. She. Uh, Singled out Asia Wilson, Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum, Becky Hammond, of course. So Becky thought she was going to have to do a speech. 
And when I was talking to her the day before for the pregame show, she goes, yeah, I, I got I to gotta stay up tonight and write my speech. And she never gave a speech. She pawned it off on Nikki. So you know what you should do? Next game? Yeah. Have her give you the speech pregame. She never got a chance to write it. I thought she, never, I, she, she was going to do it. And then so she, she, she got bailed out. Okay. She goes, e- I was going to say, if, if, if there's a speech, we need to hear it. Yeah. And I actually know the person that wrote the speech. So, you know the person that wrote the speech. They wrote speech, yeah. I don't know if I should, can say because it might be kind of secret. But to say, and the speech was marvelous. <laughs> the speech writer. That's all I got to say. Anyway, no, the White House was uh, fantastic. So then afterwards, we've got the reception, and it was you know go to the reception and everyone's coming up to you. F- you know, oh, we, we try one of these, try one of these, try one of these. You know, it's like, you know, you're a fancy wedding. You were in heaven. I was. And I, I was kind of afraid to, to try some of the stuff because like caviar and what? And this and that. But they had this little steak thing, this marinated steak thing that was on like, I don't know, a little cheese thing. Because, you know, everything's like only this big, you know, small. Well, yeah. Yeah. So uh, a lot of good stuff. Then they had some seafood, all that stuff. But the highlight for me, sweet tea. Sweet tea in these tall glasses. You had your choice of sweet tea or lemonade. Oh, the sweet tea. I think I had six of them. They're outstanding. No Coke? No Pepsi? No I, Dr. Pepper? No Monster? Uh, uh, no, 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 no. No Coronas? No, there might have been a, a soda thing. No. There, no, 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 no. <laughs> Alcohol was not on the menu, my friend. Yeah. The sweet tea. But not just tea. The sweet, the sweet tea. tea. Yeah. I thought I was in Atlanta. That was beautiful. Yeah, I like the sweet tea. Uh, Vice President uh, Kamala Harris, fantastic, great. Uh, now, you want to laugh at me like probably a lot of people will, but I did not know what a first gentleman was or a second gentleman. What do they call it? The first gentleman, second gentleman? I didn't know what it was. First gentleman? Yeah. Might be the second gentleman. <laughs> oh, he might be the second gentleman. Make yeah. up your mind. I have no idea. No, because I think it, it would be. They go, you're going to be greeted by the Vice President of the United States and the Probably the, the second, the second, the second gentleman. gentleman. Yeah. I'm going like, what's that? It's her husband. Yeah. I didn't know that. What do I know? I told you I'm not a big political guy. I got no problem making fun of myself. And now I'm thinking you even knew. No, I knew. As soon as you said it, I just don't know if it's first or second gentleman. Well, look it up. I need, to, I need to know these things. I know I should have known that before. And I go, I go, so hey, I asked somebody. I go, what's the second gentleman stuff? What's this? They go. Uh, I don't know. Oh, well, good. Didn't make me feel stupid. Then someone goes, um, that's the vice president's husband. I go, then why don't they just say that? Second gentleman. First gentleman. What is it? Survey says, what do we got? Second gentleman. But what does that mean? Second gentleman. But you know, here's what they, when they introduced him, they said something like, here's the first ever second gentleman. Is that true? Cause he's. We haven't had a female vice president. Yes, we have. No. Of course we have. Don't you watch Veep? I mean, you kidding me? Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Elaine, was the first. I saw I watched TV. No. Wrong show. You got no sound effect? Wrong wrong life. I thought that was funny. No. That was good. No. (laughs) I love Veep. Yeah, so he's the first second gentleman. Ever second gentleman. So if you have a first lady, I get that. Why is it the second gentleman? Is the first gentleman the president? 
Yes. Is, is that right? Yes. Or does she have a second? Uh, she have a previous? Husband? Maybe she's maybe she's got a maybe she's just got <laughs> choices, and you were you, you were just the secondary. Oh uh, man, I don't know. So now you look like My you're spinning today. What's yeah. going on? I'm uh, I'm good. Um, so you know when you go like from hotel to hotel and you go to the wrong room sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've had that happen where I'm like, and I even gave somebody my room number, and I gave them the room number from the city before, from Chicago, and then it dawned me later. Oh, no wonder. Oh, they, get, no wonder they didn't come by. <laughs> the wrong number. So this extended to today. So I had to get up this morning. Had a bunch of stuff to do, right? And I need water because I got home and I was out of water. So I went shopping, right? So I'm one of these guys that I don't, if I'm just going to get one item like that, I don't want to get the, the grocery cart, right? So I'm lugging the, the 24 bottle thing of water into, you know, in my hands. Yeah. You, you follow me? I'm following you. Okay. So yeah. I make it quick. Okay. I got to get back, show prep, get it ready for the show, game tomorrow, you know, song festival, everything. I'm in a hurry. And so, you know, I have a new car. Yes. So this is like only like probably the third time I've been in the car. It's been eight days since I've been in the car. So I go to the store and I park the car there. Okay. Okay. And I purposely said, you know what? I didn't lock it. And I always lock the car, but I didn't lock it because I go, well, nothing's in there uh, except my shades. But I said, I'm going to be in and out in two minutes, right? Two minutes. You already know where this is going. So I, I'm walking out. With my case of water and kind of like walking kind of fast, right? Yeah. And I go ahead and I say, oh, should I pop the trunk? No, do that. I'm just going to open the back seat. Take the water. Put in the back seat. Shut the door. Open the front door. Start to get in where I'm sitting in the passenger seat and I see a drink sitting in the you know, little in cubby the there. Holder. Right, right, right. And I go, What? And I look in the back seat. Oh, someone broke, someone broke in my car. What is this? And I'm about ready to lose it, right? And then I look, I go, is this my car? <laughs> I went into somebody else's car. Oh. That's terrible. Now you look out there. You see the car. Okay? I see it. Okay. I see it. This was a GMC that I got into and same type of body of the vehicle that I'm driving that you see right there. I see. Yeah. Same color, same everything. So now I get the water out, shut the door, and I was like three stalls in the same direction, and I go down. Whew. I've never done that before. Yeah, I'm losing it, man. I'm spacing. I'm lost. Wrong hotel rooms. Wrong cars. What are you going to do, man? Today, Trevor Madge will join us. Chuck Esposito from Red Rock. And we come back. Chris Basio is going to join us as we talk a little Major League Baseball as we continue on here on this Wild Wednesday edition. I was digging that. Why'd you dump out of it? What? Seven-second delay coming? Something like that? I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, well, I know that I'm back because Numchuck's back here in controls. As we continue on... Never know what's going to happen next. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. Uh, 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 
Don't forget, tomorrow the T.C. Martin Show Song Fest returns. We take a break from sports, and we go, oh, music, baby. The third annual Song Fest show where you hear from our guests and their all-time favorite songs, little stories behind it where they get to play DJ, come in, intro, hit the post, and go into it. Just like this. See how Sam a pro. You know how they go? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If I can get everybody to do it like that, then, you know, it'd be great. But we get guys that have no radio etiquette, which it's, we understand, you know, they start talking over the song and going through all that. And you can't really scold them because it is a live show. So you get that. Now, one of our guests, all right, who's been on regularly with us each and every year, right? And you probably know who I'm going with here. Maybe your audience does too. He likes to talk, all right? We have him during basketball season. He actually thought that he was supposed to sing a song. And I said, no, you're not singing. You're just introing the song. Because, oh, my pipes are great and this and that, blah, 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 blah. I'll sing a song. If it's who I think it is, I think we should have him sing a song. Well, I, I told him that we'll give him a few bars. I'm down with that. You know who I'm talking about. I hope so. Yeah. One of the elder statesmen. Yeah. Who actually is still alive, by the way, contrary to popular belief. Oh yeah, tomorrow will be uh will be fun. All right. Speaking of which, our next guest who can never remember what songs he actually gives us because he, you know, wanted to give us the same song that he did last year. I said, no, you can't do that. But we're gonna hold off to what song he gave us for tomorrow. You gotta wait and see for that. But he is the pitcher, Chris Bosio. What's up, Boz? Man, I know you guys aren't talking about me saying that is not gonna happen. <laughs> no, no, we're not talking about you, man. We're just talking about you and your, you know, your forgetfulness. That's all we're talking about. That's okay, man. Well, I mean, you know what? I'm a pretty traditional guy. There's, I'm pretty uh, white and black. I mean, my my song's my song. I don't jump around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Oh, he's good. He's good, man. Yeah. I know. That's my good. That's my segue. There it is. What's going on, man? How you feeling? Oh, allergies are killing me right now, but I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Oh. So, you know, I was I was saying earlier that, you know, when you wanted to, you know, do bad to the bone again, you know, my analogy is like, okay, wait, boss. I mean, how many pitches do you? You had more than one pitch, right? I mean, you had a fastball, you had a slider, you had a sinker, you had a curve, right? I mean, so going to another song for you should be real easy. It's just like going to your second pitch. Uh, not too much. I, <laughs> I pretty much stayed with one song my my whole career, and it did me well. It did you well. I love it, man. All right, uh, we got ourselves a little race going on in the AL West. And I see the Astros are rolling today to make it uh, five in a row, it looks like, over the Red Sox. But how about this? We got the Strohs. We got the Rangers who have kind of fallen on hard times. Strohs got it back together, like currently probably a five-game win streak. And your Seattle Mariners, my friend, coming out of nowhere, even though they took a bullet last night in, of all places, Oakland. How do you see this thing, man? Well, Houston's got the experience. Texas, you know, they're going to need a lift from the starting pitching. The starting pitching 
has really done well this year. But late in the year like this, they're, I really think they're going to wear down. I, you know, are they going to make the playoffs? Probably because they were so far out in front, but Seattle's scary. Um, they got, got arms in that bullpen and that starting rotation might be the, the best young starting rotation in all of baseball. Hmm. You know, when you look at this Mariners team, they, there was talk over the last couple seasons that, okay, maybe they're, they're underperforming a little bit because they would go through their streaks and then, you know, kind of fall apart uh, a little bit. And I'm with you. You know, the, the pitching is, is kind of their strength. I mean, you got Julio Rodriguez at the top. You got a couple other guys that can get it done, but it just seems like that, that pitching staff, just has not really got to that next level. And are you, are you seeing that with this group right now over the last couple of weeks that, okay, this now maybe they've, they've kind of got over the hump a little bit. And, and which one of the and which one of these, these starters do you really like more than others? Well, I think last year really, really helped them. Um, you know, because of the experience getting in the playoffs. And, you know, I, I don't know. It's, they got a bunch of no-name guys down there. They, they traded their closer. Right. You know, um, now, they, now they've got a couple other guys. I can't even mention their names. I saw them closing last night. But, but they got guys, everybody being their bullpen is throwing 95 to 100. And their starters are doing the same thing. Um, the thing that I like the most is how they play. I can't believe some of the teams are pitching to Rodriguez. I, I really thought when he was going through that stretch on the road when it started, I, I mean, the best hitters you have to take out of the lineup. Don't pitch to them. Don't give them an opportunity to hurt you. You walk them, you walk them. If you're pitching inside and he happens to walk into one and get hit, he goes to first base. You control the game. That's what you do as a starting pitcher. These guys keep feeding them fastballs and hanging breaking balls, and he's gotten on a hot streak like, like nobody's had this year, he has literally carried this club. I, I'm just, it's amazing to me that they even allow him to swing the bat. This guy would get pitched down and in under his hands, up and in above his hands, or way off the plate. The catcher's got to be, you saw the Little League, how some of these teams, their catchers are literally lined up in this. The uh, left-hand batter's box, right? Yeah, that's where they should be pitching him. <laughs> that's exactly where they should be pitching him. You know, there's another team out there that's that's sneaky that we talked about too. And I know I'm jumping ahead from the American League West, but I watched the game again today: the Cubs and the Brewers, and the Cubs beat them three to two. And that was a big game because now the spread is three instead of five. But the Cubs have a lot of veteran players also that have been there. And that's, that's also a scary team. 
But, you know, going back to Seattle, there, there's something about that crowd that invigorates that team. And if they can get a little help, just a little more offensive help from some of their other position players besides Rodriguez, I think they're going to be fine. But Houston's going to win the division. I think Seattle and Texas both will make the playoffs. Um, it's been a crazy year because I thought all along, we talked early about California. Uh, California Angels have had one of the worst and most decimated injury team that I've seen in the last 10 years. I mean, the, the injuries on that team is unbelievable. Uh, the injuries are unbelievable, but still, again, you know, no pitching. I mean, outside of Otanti, and that, that has been the, the situation with the Angels, you know, it seems, you know, for forever and ever. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about Texas here because Texas basically has led wire to wire, and now they get on this little downward spin over the last, you know, two weeks. And even though I know that they, they won yesterday, but when you go back, Boz, I mean, this team, let's see, they lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in a row. And why do you think that is when they've basically been on cruise control, you know, for the majority of the season? You get Max Scherzer, you're relatively healthy. I mean, you are healthy, probably more healthy now than they've been all year. Is it one of these things where you're starting to feel the pressure and you're, you know, they're hearing about the press clippings and where you're at and the calendar is ready to flip to September and you got 30 games to go? Is there a little tightness there, especially with a team who, you know, not accustomed to even, you know, being this close before? Well, Scherzer is not the Max Scherzer of the past. You know, we also talked about this when they traded, that's traded Verlander and Scherzer both. I mean, that did themselves a world of favor by getting rid of these guys. I mean, they had to pay off some salaries, but they also accumulated some talent, which we also talked about. Texas, uh, I think is, I don't, I don't know his first name, but Dunning, the kid they traded from the White Sox to Texas yeah. has had an unbelievable year. But again, Getting into the second half of that season, and we talked about it about, I think, two weeks ago, August will get you. August always got us either good or bad. Once you get to September, you're like, now you can smell the finish line because the end of the season is at the end of the month. September call-ups, you get some reinforcements. You know, it's it's just too much. It's too much for the 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 rotation because they don't have the horses to get through it. The the horses that they have are young horses. And they haven't been at this part of the season. And again, getting Scherzer getting Scherzer is you know, you're getting the, the old version of Max. Max has, Max has struggled. Max has given up some, we call it giving up some stretch this year, you know? And, uh, that offense is unbelievable, but at the same time, you can't keep producing like that offensively. I mean, they are, they're probably one of the most prolific 
teams that I've seen, and I remember Lou Pinella saying, every team that's good offensively scores 800 runs. They're going to obliterate that number. They're, they might go 850, 860. But it's, uh, it's a long summer. The dog days are, are, are getting them, and next week is, uh, is just around the corner for reinforcements. And I think that's when you're going to start to see things level off and, and shape up. By the middle of September, that, you know, Houston's going to be in first place by a couple games. Texas will be chasing. Seattle's still going to be chasing. And uh, I'm watching the, I'm watching the uh, San Francisco Giants give one away right now to Cincinnati. Yeah, speaking of the Giants, I mean, you had Alex Corn in the Cobb last night. He was one out away from a no-no last night, and uh, he loses it. I don't know how closely you were watching that game last night, but we could have had another no-hitter last night. I was watching it real close, man. He had that, he had that little dead fish working, but you know that dead fish cost him in the end. Speeding up the bat, kid going to right center, just out of the reach of the right fielder. Unbelievable, you know, um, for Alex to get to that point. You know, it's it's heartbreaking when guys lose it. You know, I've been there. I I was lucky enough to get that last out with with some help from a friend of mine at shortstop. <laughs> you know, but I was going to live and die with my my splitter, and uh, he did the same. And uh, did you do anything special for your shortstop who kind of bailed you out? I mean, besides like giving him a high five or a hug afterwards, uh, you know, you know, we always hear, you know, you know, quarterbacks, you know, give their offensive line like Rolex watches and that sort of thing, you know, uh, did, did you do anything for that, uh, that special shortstop? Everybody on the team got a watch from me. No kidding. Everybody did. Look at that. I didn't give them, I, I didn't give them Rolexes, but everybody got a watch. Wow. Everybody. I mean, how Thank fun- you for being, thanks. I just, really, you know, I had a crazy spring that year. Um, I'll share this story with you quick. Uh, we had just moved into our house up on the hill in Shingle Springs. Yep. And guy broke into my house. Uh, this transient dude who, you know, just looking for a place to live. And for some reason, our alarm did not go off because the alarm guy, when he left, did not turn it on. So we broke into our guest house, broke into a garage. Um, the place where we were living in Arizona in spring training, there was a, a murder suicide in our apartment complex. And then two days after that, my grandfather died. So we had a lot going on. And right after my grandfather died, I had a thing about getting up every morning at 5 a.m. and jogging. And I was always taking my dog and always had on our leash. And the leash was a little bit too long because I'd like to give her some room. And we're getting ready to go around this corner. And this this truck was standing. This truck was there. And for some reason, Levi darted out from me, and this car literally ran her over. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And my first start, I lost 2-1. to one. I threw a complete game. First start of the year against Toronto. We go to Toronto, pitch there. Uh, no decision, go to Detroit, set a career high in strikeouts, and we came back. And my first win was my no-hitter with the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. 
Yeah. And all I could think about was, you know, all the stuff that we had gone through. And to top it off, my next start, I break my collarbone on a collision at first with a five-inning no-hitter going there on a double play ball. So, I mean, there was, there was a lot going on in that first year for me. And, uh, it, it was, it was unbelievable because that no hitter got us going and my first start coming back. Of course, I'm full of piss and vinegar and do we have a big brawl with Baltimore? I'm sure you remember that one. <laughs> we, uh, well, I got a broken collarbone. I come back and I got, I got a couple of guys bunting on me and I, uh, Mark McLemore bunted on me with two outs, like in the fifth, and I, and Harold Reynolds was the next guy, and I smoked him. <laughs> Absolutely smoked him. I go, he goes, what are you, what are you hitting me for? I go, what are you guys bunting for? Swing the bat. So that's like, you don't hear, you don't hear pitchers these days say, I smoked that guy, whatever. It's like, oh, they just like, I, oh, it slipped, this and that. I, I couldn't it. believe. There's no way I couldn't even get my left arm down to field the ball because my right. You know, I told him I was okay, but it was it was still sore. So then Mucina comes up. Hasselman, Bill Hasselman, third base coach for the Angels, hits a home run off Mucina. And then two innings later, he drills Hasselman, and Hasselman just goes out there and body slams him right on the mound. And that's when the brawl started against Baltimore. And uh, let's just say we... We did pretty good in that. So let me anyway. ask you this. I mean, come on. You're a big guy, man, especially, you know, like upper body and that kind of stuff. I mean, who took you out while you're covering first? Who is, who is the guy that, that caused a broken collarbone to you? Well, remember, we're playing in the parking lot in the kingdom. Yeah. So we got a double play ball, and it was at first, and Tino, Tino threw it to Omar. Omar had to jump because Tino threw a cutter. So when Omar jumped up through it, the ball kind of sailed like down the third baseline. Yeah. And I, I went in like foul territory behind the bag to catch it. The guy, he just ran me over. Who was ran it? Right my back. Who and was that guy? I don't know. You didn't get, you didn't catch the, the, the number of that train. Like, come on, man. I don't, I don't, I don't pay attention to guys like that. <laughs> All I know is I got the last out and the umpire, uh, he wanted to, he's like, show me the ball, show me the ball. And I can't, and I was like, I can't move my freaking arm. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Go, come and down I here and look out, at it. Uh, I spit out my chew and he sees the ball and he goes, ah, third out. And I'm like, oh my God, I couldn't, I couldn't even get up. Broken three places. Oh man. And I, I swear some of the letters I got when I was hurt about how to fix it, um, I was getting stuff from people everywhere, but some of the best, the best advice that I got was from a lady from Alaska who was a cross country skier. She fell down a ravine, broke her leg, collarbone and everything. It was just a, just an unbelievable letter. And she told me to take shark cartilage and nickel. She goes, I don't, I don't know what everybody's telling you, but those are the only things that really helped me. And I, and I took it, and I, I came back in five weeks. Um, probably should have stayed out a little bit longer, but I was able to come back in five weeks and uh, and pitch again. Because, you know, I've, I was dying to get out there. I mean, there was so much stuff going on in the winter. After the no-hitter, that start of a broken collarbone, 
Um, being, being in Seattle, place was electric. We were starting to get some momentum. And my God, I, you know, being able to watch Randy Johnson and Edgar and Omar Vizquel, unbelievable. Uh, Chris Bosio, the author of a no-hitter back in his days with Seattle. And the Mariners playing some really good baseball right now. Currently a three-way tie in the AL West with the Astros and the Rangers and those Mariners. Boz, we'll let you go rest up, man. Uh, get that voice together because tomorrow I get to play DJ, man. So there you go. Tomorrow, Chris Bosio uh, back with us tomorrow. There's a little teaser for you. King, King, Queen, step aside. Well... I'll be up for it. I hope you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember, boss, it's not a competition. Okay? You don't win anything. All right? But Nupchuk was saying that maybe we will give an MVP award to the best DJ tomorrow. So maybe it is a competition after all. So you kind of brought that to light, that competitive nature to us. Well, that's the way it should be. <laughs> you, you do have the best sports talk show around, so let's go. Let's go, brother. All right, ring it up. All right, brother, rest up. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Take care. Take care. Chris Bazio, talking a little Major League Baseball, a little reminiscing going down memory lane there. We come back. Trevor Maddich is going to join us. He's working on his song list right now as well, too. Check Esposito from Red Rock, talk a little NFL betting. We got Raider news for you. The 53-man roster is set. Well, more like 54 right now. We'll get into that. Continuing on. Wow, Wednesday we back. That I'm back to the back. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the TC Martin Show. Been a great third down defense the last two weeks for Steelers. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield, intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath comes away with it, and Heath could go. Tripped up by Mahomes inside the five. The doctor is now in. Hour number two here on this Wednesday. Glad to be back with you after a long trip at Eight-day road trip, four cities, back with the Las Vegas Aces. Aces end up going 2-2, two and two, winning the first two games in Atlanta and Chicago, and then surprising loss to the Washington Mystics, and then the New York Liberty on Monday. So 2-2, two and two, the Aces still best record in the WNBA. At 30-6, and six, they have a game-and-a-half lead over the Liberty with four games left to play, three of those at home. Back in action tomorrow night. As the Aces take on those Washington Mystics again at the Michelob Moultrie and Mandalay Base. So join us tomorrow night for that. And uh, also tomorrow, it is back. The T.C. Martin Show Song Fest, baby. Can hardly wait. Can you feel it? I can feel it. It's our favorite show of the year. Save your voice. I know. I I got to. (laughs) You look excited. You know what happens when the song gets played. Did I dislocate a collarbone last time? Jeez. The Jacksons, can you feel it? That might have to be one of my songs. Might have used that last time. See, we asked for no repeat offenders here. So you got to come up with something. No repeat so far. That's it? Good. All right, so all of our guests uh, 
Many of our regular guests will be joining us tomorrow. They get to play DJ, introduce their favorite songs of all time. So that'll be fun. And uh, one of those joins us right now. The very, 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 I don't know where I'm going with this. Astute? How's that? And in, in one of the uh, best broadcasters out there, our good friend, the 50-time Emmy Award winner, Trevor Maddich, who has been resting and getting ready for college football. But more importantly, he has been getting ready for tomorrow's Songfest show, Volume 3. What's going on, brother? DC, you have been on the road. You, you must have stories to tell and pictures to see. I do, man. I, I talked a little bit about some of those stories uh, last hour. And, uh, yeah, some pictures are out there. There's no question. And, uh, you know, probably a place you're familiar with, you know, the White House. I was dropping your name while I was in Washington, D.C. and was actually talking to one of my Lyft drivers uh, about you, as a matter of fact. No kidding. Well, no kidding. The, uh, what was the White House like? I've never been to the I've driven by it. And anymore, you can't even drive by it and see it because yeah. security's so tight. But what was that like, man? You know, it was, it was great. I, I guess I have to use the word, you know, surreal. I mean, you know, cause I'm not a big politics type of guy, but you know, I've always followed, you know, the teams, the, the championship teams that get a chance to go there. And so I've always tuned into that kind of stuff. And so yeah, to be part of that, um, was really cool to be, you know, included in that and, uh, to be part of that event and that ceremony. Very, very cool. But just, yeah, I mean, it was a beautiful day. We got to walk outside. We got, we were inside of uh, the White House. And yeah, something that I will, you know, remember and cherish uh, forever. But, uh, yeah, those, those sights and scenes are something you're going to remember, you know, forever and ever. I enjoyed it. You see, I want you to know, I want you to know that I feel much more at ease about being around you now <laughs> that you have passed security to be able to get into the White House. Four times, Trevor. It's like yeah. four security checks just to get in that. Yeah, and you passed. You I did. passed them all. I don't know how I feel. You are the <laughs> you are the greatest forger of documents of all time, or you are a squeaky clean dude. Well, that's uh, that, that that's someone else uh, that we both know uh, in my family that's uh, the great forger of all documents. We'll just leave that at that, okay? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, what have you been doing, man? I know that this is okay. It's like. I, I joke, not joke. I mean, it's serious because like for our business in our calendar in radio kind of goes for sports radio goes like your calendar for football season. It's like our season really cranks up, you know, it week one right after Labor Day. And that's the way it is for you with your, all of your college football coverage that you do for ESPN and everything else there. So, uh, do you kind of just like take a deep breath? Like when you, the calendar turns to August and say, okay, here we go again. Uh, my downtime's over, my vacation's over, and now it's go time. You know what? I described it today. I was having a conversation about this with somebody over at ESPN. And the way I described it was to me, it's like the start of the holiday season, the Christmas season, where the first day that everybody breaks out the decorations and the music and the food and the festivity of the holiday season. And you just, you just love that. I mean, I love that. I love that time of the year. And to me, you just back it up a little bit for the start of the football season. And that's what it's like. I mean, it's, I just can't wait for this to get started. I'm like a, like a little kid on Christmas Eve. What are you looking forward to the most here? Whether it's, you know, watching a team or, you know, kind of getting back into that studio, that game day routine. We know that's a marathon for you, but I mean, what aspect do you look forward to the most when you kick off the new season? Well, this particular season, there's two things. 
on the field. It's the the teams that are expected to compete for a playoff spot that are replacing their quarterback. Last year, most of that handful of teams brought back an experienced starter and quarterback. This year, most of them have a new guy. And some of them we know nothing about, like at Alabama. What in the world are we going to get at Alabama at the quarterback position, for goodness sake? So that's going to be interesting to watch. The, the second thing, and this is more big picture, this could be the best Pac-12 season in recent memory in football. And it certainly is the best quarterback league in all of college football as we enter the season. And as we see what I expect to be one of the most exciting races for the conference championship in the nation, at the end of this season, the Pac-12 will disappear in a shower of sparks. It'll just go away. And to me, that, that is super weird. That it's, it's such a great place when it comes to football on the field, and it will no longer exist when we get to the end of this season. Now, is that true, Trevor? I mean, is it really true that, I mean, and what was that you, shower of sparks? I don't think I've ever heard of that before. I mean, that's, that's, it'll just go, that's poof. fantastic. I mean, I love In that. In a shower of sparks. Yep. Now, the brand Pac 12 may be around for some way, but the Pac 12 that we've known disappear in a, a shower of sparks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, avert your eyes if you're, uh, you know, you're worried about brightness and sparks. Mm, okay. All right. You mentioned Alabama. All right. What is that going to look like? Because, we know that Alabama gets the best of the best at just about every position, but Alabama has won national championships or competed for national championships without having that first round, you know, draft pick in the NFL, you know, a, a year or two later. They've done it with, I don't want to say by committee, but less than stellar quarterbacks in the past. So should we really be that concerned that maybe Alabama doesn't have a four or a five star guy taking over? And actually, what is that going to look like? Alabama will be physically vicious this year. They'll get back to those old days that you talked about, TC, where the quarterback was a good game manager, but they just made people quit because of how physical they were at both lines of scrimmage. And then they kind of went the Lane Kiffin route where they brought in a bunch of great quarterbacks, great receivers, and you had the two Tango Valoas, and, and Jalen Hurts kind of started that run off a little bit. Mac Jones kept it going. Then Bryce Young wins the Heisman Trophy at quarterback for Alabama. Uh, and this year, I don't know who's going to play quarterback at Alabama. You know, it's, it's, I think they'll carry it as a competition into the regular season a little bit, like Saban has done in the past, and see which guy actually inspires the team and moves the team the most when they get an actual gameplay before he settles on a starter. Um, you know, I, I've heard rumors that the transfer from Notre Dame, Tyler Buckner, might get the first chance at it, but but we'll see how that, that turns out this weekend. But either way, what I'm hearing from Alabama is that that's kind of secondary, that the the, the Bama factor that Nick Saban told me about in his office a couple of years ago that they want to get back to is where they want to go. They want to get back to making people quit. Because if you look at the time when they had good game manager quarterbacks and brutally physical um, offensive and defensive lines, and then brutally physical running backs and linebackers and safeties and the rest behind them, when Bama had that feature, they were winning championships. When they went to the more finesse style in the deep pass, they made, they had tons of yards. They set offensive records left and right, but it also marked the ascension of Georgia as the dominant team to beat at the national level, not Alabama. 
And I think that Nick Saban would love to have a great quarterback. He'd love to have great receivers. He doesn't right now, as far as we know. They may surprise. We'll see. But there, for darn sure, is going to be a, a return to the physical, vicious, physical Alabama brand of football. That's what I expect from them this year. Trevor Mass joins us, ESPN College Football, and of course, our regular guest here, uh, always uh, talking college football and the NFL as well. We've got some pretty interesting matchups, and again, this is the official start of college football this weekend, week number one, and you've got games going for five days in a row. you got games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday on Labor Day as well. And there's a game on Monday that I'm looking at here, Trevor, and it's LSU and Florida State. Now, we figure that LSU is going to be better with Ryan Kelly's second season there, coming over from Notre Dame now. Again, second season with the uh, Tigers. And then Florida State. What do we expect from them? And this game, you know, really is kind of a, a, a virtual, you know, pick them in this game. LSU is a, is a two and a half point favorite. Uh, that game is actually on, on Sunday, uh, afternoon, late Sunday afternoon, uh, early evening there on the west, on the east coast. What are your thoughts about these two teams? I can't wait for this game. This is one of my favorites of the opening couple of weeks of the season because the winner of this game will be on a rocket ship to the top of the college football world. The winning quarterback will be catapulted into the conversation with USC quarterback Caleb Williams as frontrunners for the Heisman Trophy, and the loser will be on double-secret probation because we have never had a two-loss team make the playoff. And the loser of this game loses in their opening weekend. They have to go undefeated the rest of the way if history is any guide in order to make the playoffs. So there's a lot at stake with two teams, LSU and Florida State, that both have the, the chops, they have the, the talent to be able to challenge for the playoff and even challenge for a national championship. So right off the bat, this is massive. And these are two teams that do have their quarterback back. Jordan Travis at Florida State looks like he's ready to take the next jump. And Jaden Daniels at LSU, both of these guys are being talked about now, even before this game is played, as being Heisman candidates. So there's a lot at stake for the upside and for the downside here. Who do you like in this game? I like Florida State in this game, and the reason is that I don't fully trust Jaden Daniels at quarterback for LSU. He he played really well last year, did a lot of really good things, but he also had a lot of good things happen because the defense got out of position and he ran and he extended plays. I expect Florida State's defense to learn from that. I expect them to keep him corralled so he has to actually beat them as a quarterback and not get out and beat them as a as an athletic kid in the playground running around trying to make plays. And to me, that's the difference. I trust quarterback Jordan Travis of Florida State more than I trust Jaden Daniels in a game like this. Then uh, Monday night, Clemson and Duke. Now, is this going to be the return of Clemson? Because it seemed like, okay, you know, it was almost like a mulligan season for them. We understand they had some quarterback issues. All right. And your boy, you know, uh, DJ, which again, I'm not going to try to, you know, pronounce his name. You know, he is gone. And I know a lot of Clemson Tiger fans, you know, feel that, okay, that experiment uh, went, went wrong. And thank goodness that's over. What do we expect from Dabo's team? I expect Dabo's team to have a defense that once again is one of the best defenses in the country. They're, they're kind of getting back to that. But on offense, Kate Klubnick takes over for DJ Uyunglele. 
but he might not be the biggest upgrade. I mean, Garrett um, Riley is, he came over from TCU where he was the offensive coordinator last year. And it's kind of odd for Dabo Sweeney to promote from the outside. But I think in this case, he kind of needed to because the, the offensive scheme of Clemson over the last several years, in my opinion, had gotten stale. It wasn't very creative. It was easy for defenses to key in on. And if you don't have the, the future NFL quarterbacks and receivers like Clemson did several years ago, then you've got to, you've, you're on an equal footing and the defense has the edge because the defense can anticipate what you're going to do. They overcame that with great talent. But the last few years, their receiving core has been very average. Quarterback play with DJ Uyunglele was not able to overcome it. And I think that bringing in Garrett Riley to put some juice into the offensive schemes is going to help tremendously. Now, now this is a tricky game for Clemson because Duke has a returning quarterback in Riley Leonard who is who is sneaky excellent. They won nine games last year, Duke did, and they'll be even better this year. So this is not a cupcake for Clemson to get their you know get their feet wet on. I mean this is a losable game for Clemson. And it's at it's it's at Duke. Uh and so I believe that this is a tricky game. I think Clemson's gonna win it. Um they're a two touchdown favorite about but Clemson had better be ready to go with all these new pieces because Duke is coming in with some experience. Colorado and TCU. That's a matchup that really has got my eye here because I think everyone wants to see what Colorado is going to be like under Deion Sanders, his first year at this program, really taking, taking a step up now, you know, uh, with this, uh, this Colorado program that's currently, you know, in, in the Pac 12. And then TCU, the amazing run that they had to the, you know, college football playoff last year. How do you see in this thing unfolding here? And is Coach Prime going to get a kind of little rude indoctrination into some big time college football here? I don't think it'll be a rude indoctrination from an expectation standpoint. Like he's he's in over his head. His roster might be in over their head. We'll see. He brought in famously last I checked, it was fifty three transfers. It's completely unprecedented, and the way he went about it was either awful or awesome, depending on where you stand, because he basically in his first meeting told the team, you um, might not want to be here anymore. You might want to transfer on out because I'm bringing my guys in. And then he had meetings with guys after spring practice, guys who wanted to stay, and he basically cut them. He said, you can stay and be on scholarship and go to school, but you're not going to play for us. We don't want you on the team. And that is mean, but no, that's refreshing. You treat a guy like a man, you tell him the truth face-to-face, and he has a chance to make decisions going forward. And so this is the kind of of situation that he's building. He's got an outstanding quarterback in his son, Shadur Sanders. He's He's a dynamic playmaker from Jackson State, you know, the FCS level. And they brought in some really good talent. But I don't know that they're ready to compete with TCU. And I mean not just beat them, I just mean compete with them. Because TCU last year went to the playoff, beat Michigan, and lost a lot of guys to the NFL, but TCU has reloaded with the transfer portal. They have restocked. Their defense will be salty. Offensively, the quarterback is Chandler Morris, the guy that beat out Max Duggan last year before Morris got hurt. Duggan came in as the backup and ended up having a terrific season, led him to the playoff, and now um, you know he, he was drafted into the NFL. And so this TCU team is going to be tough for Colorado to deal with. So if you break it down from a standpoint of, uh, you know, who's going to win this game, if Colorado stays even close, 
it'll be a, a minor miracle and a testament to Deion Sanders. But overall, it's going to be fascinating to watch how Deion's style is going to work because he is salty. He is honest to a fault. He doesn't tell anybody what they want to hear. And frankly, that's kind of a refreshing thing. As we get ready for this opening weekend here, we talked about three games. Give me a game that you've got your eye on that you're really interested in. Besides the well, BYU Cougars, of course. Yes, well, BYU Cougars are playing somebody. They're playing Sam Houston, actually. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, BYU is uh, their, their first year in the Big 12. So it's, it's an exciting year for Cougar fans. Uh, I think Utah, Florida, tomorrow night is a game that I'm really looking at because this is uh The Urban you know, Meyer Bowl? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, the Urban Meyer Bowl. That's right. <laughs> I guess the, they ought to have a they ought to have a football with his picture like engraved in it and that that's the winner of the trophy. Um for Florida, they really struggled last year. And people expect them to struggle again this year. That quarterback is Graham Mertz, who oh, was a tra- is a transfer from Wisconsin. Oh yeah, I know. And at Wisconsin well. he was really good at throwing the ball to the other team. Yeah. <laughs> now whether that's because he couldn't play or because he just didn't have receivers and he was trying to do more than he should have, we're about to find out because he's got receivers now. But uh, Utah is in a much better position than Florida. Utah has a legitimate chance to win the Pac-12. And if things fall right, Utah is one of several teams in the Pac-12 that could make the playoff and legitimately compete in the playoff. The, their problem is that their quarterback, Cam Rising, tore his ACL in the Rose Bowl after last season, and he's really not ready to play yet. Their backup is hurt and probably out for the season, so they'll be playing their third-string quarterback. So if Utah is able to be so dominant at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball that they're able to beat an SEC blue blood with their third option at quarterback on the field. That is a, uh, that'll be a remarkable thing and another feather in the Pac 12's cap. So there's a lot at stake here as well in this game. And I want to see whether Florida is going to be able to take the next step forward and whether Utah is actually as physical as we expect them to be. Because if they are, they're going to physically beat up a whole lot of people in their own conference. Yeah, Bryson Barnes is going to get the start. You know, in watching that injury unfold in the Rose Bowl, Trevor um, to Rising, it was 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 brutal. And you know, they were they were hanging in that Rose Bowl game to Penn State, and then when he went out, they just had no shot. And you're right. I mean, if he is not able to go for any substantial uh, part of this season, it'll be interesting. But I guess you know the good thing is I'm sure Barnes has had like plenty of snaps to get ready for this. But anytime you're facing, even if Florida is down a little bit, you know, a, a tough SEC team like them, uh, it's a little concerned because I would love to play Utah, uh, in this game, you know, coming up. I would love to play them, but I don't know how much I can, I can trust Barnes and, and the quarterback situation. Yeah. But who do you trust more? The, the, the third string quarterback at Utah or Graham Mertz? Yeah. You got that right. Because uh, Florida. So. Who do you trust the most? And plus, Florida's coming out of the swamp, and they're playing at a little over 4,000 feet altitude. And I can tell you that that, that's going to matter for the defense if Utah gets the running game going and is able to string together long drives. And But again, Utah, if they're able to win this game the way that they will have to win it, which is to say everybody knows they're going to be handing the ball off and they'll be making a few throws, but they're not going to count on that. Florida knows that too. And if Utah can win this game regardless – Utah will be a national player when Rising comes back. And if you think at it from a Ute fan standpoint, if they bring back Rising and he tries to go in this game and he gets hurt again, you can, you can, you know, kiss goodbye 
their hopes of winning a Pac-12 championship if he's hurt, you know, badly. But by giving them more time to heal, even if they lose to Florida, they still have a good chance of being a, a one or two lost Pac-12 champion. If they're a one lost Pac-12 champ, they could make the playoff because the committee will give them credit for losing to Florida without their starting quarterback if he's back and playing well later in the season. Trevor, you brought up some ugly memories for me because the last two Wisconsin quarterbacks over the past several seasons, you had Mertz, you know, last year, and then before that was Hornybrook. And I would say every time I would bet on Wisconsin, I got Hornybrooked or I got Mertzed. I mean, terrible. They were terrible. Who was worse, in your opinion? You saw them both quite a bit. Who was worse? Yeah, I, it's hard to say. I, I would say this, that I would say neither one of them is better. Yeah. How about if we put it that way? Because I don't want to rain too hard on them. I will say this, though. Wisconsin is one of those, of those dark horse teams because their defense will be very, very good. The offense still has Braylon Allen, a massive, bruising Wisconsin-style running back. Yeah. But now they brought in Phil Longo as the offensive coordinator. He's going to be running a version of the air raid offense with Tanner Mordecai, a quarterback transfer from SMU, and they got some receivers to transfer in as well. And all of a sudden, you're going to have a hybrid old-school smash mouth Wisconsin style married with spread the field and throw the ball all over the yard with a quarterback who's proven he can do it. And if that thing comes together, then Wisconsin all of a sudden is going to be a scoring machine. And keep in mind that they face uh, that, that they get Ohio State at home in Madison. Uh, this year. So that, that's going to be a massive game to look for. We'll talk about that as we get closer yeah. to it. How difficult is it for you to have to keep up with this, with this, the way the transfer portal is and everything now? And I mean, no one really has a, a returning starting quarterback or uh, skill position players. I mean, you know, again, I mean, you just mentioned Mordecai, you know, coming over, you know, from SMU to Wisconsin and uh, you, Notre Dame's had, you know, the, the transfer situation on both ways from Hartman going there and then, you know, uh, losing what Butcher or whatever, you know, to uh, going to Alabama. And th- that's just off the top of my head. I mean, there's so much of that. I mean, has your workload increased or did you have to start a little earlier since this has been going on? Because as you know, you go back five, ten years ago, I mean, you, you, you never you never had this transfer portal stuff like this. No, this is nuts. And, you know, and they changed the rules for first-year head coaches as well that makes it even more easy for them to bring in tons of transfers. For example, a first-year head coach doesn't isn't limited to 25 um, incoming scholarship players between, you know, new recruits and, and transfers. So you can bring in a whole bunch of people there. And that's just one of the things that happens that, that can make it even easier to have people run around like crazy. I think that, you know, this year, if you just look at USC, for example, two years ago, Jordan Addison, wide receiver for Pitt, won the Blitnikov Award as the top receiver in the country. Last year, he transferred to USC, had a great year, now he's in the NFL, and one of the top receivers at USC now is a transfer from Arizona. And you think, well, Arizona is Dorian Singer. Uh, he just caught Caleb Williams' first touchdown pass of this year against San Jose State last week. Dorian Singer is the second-team all-Pac-12 wide receiver, transferring from Arizona to USC. So Addison's gone, Singer's in. You know, all these different things happen, and just little things like that make you just have to have to blink. It's like the same kind of thing where at the beginning of the season, you have to be careful and say, yeah, this is the home team in the game, but that might be at a neutral site. 
You know, there's a lot of things you have to pay attention to, and you can never take anything for granted anymore. Final thing for you, brother. Um, which Give me a team or two that is under the radar, but it's at the top of the Trevor scope. You know, uh, there, there are there, – there's a couple of them. Um, you know, it, it, Texas isn't really under the radar. They're ranked 11th. But I think Texas beats Alabama. Next week, I think it is. Uh, I don't think that uh, Alabama has a receiver or quarterback who would start for Texas this year. And I think that's going to be the difference. And I, if they stay healthy, Texas has a chance to, to be that team. Tennessee is fascinating. If Joe Milton can replace Hendon Hooker as a prolific down-the-field quarterback, this is the only team uh, that has a chance to a good chance anyway to beat Georgia in the regular season. And so we'll be watching to see how Tennessee does. But Notre Dame really is is the team I think people need to watch for. They just shellacked Navy in Dublin in Week Zero, and people will say, "Yeah, well, that's Navy." But but look at what's happened here. Notre Dame's defense is salty at every position. They're very deep at corner, which you need in order to be able to beat the likes of Ohio State and Georgia that'll have really good receiving core. But the offensive side of the ball is going to have one of the best offensive lines in the country. They're strong at running back. They've got some good young receivers that will need to step up in order for this to happen. But then transfer a quarterback, Sam Hartman, from Wake Forest. A lot of people wondered how he would do in this scheme because it's kind of an awkward, weird scheme that he had at Wake Forest is the long mesh run meshes on zone reads and stuff. They don't do that at Notre Dame. But in this game against Navy, he was precise. He was accurate. He was hitting covered receivers for first downs and touchdowns. He was beating zone coverage with trajectory that would drop in over a linebacker, but before a safety could get there on the side. And so, <laughs> excuse me, wow. Notre Dame, if they stay healthy and if the young receivers step up, is a team that I think has a good chance to make a lot of noise and knock some conference champion out of the 14 playoff. Here it is, my friend. Hey, it's just the beginning here. All right. So you got to rest up, get that throat ready. And more importantly, Trevor, you got to get it ready for tomorrow because you got to play DJ tomorrow. So go get some rest, my friend. I know we've got, we've got the, the, what are you calling it now? The song thing? The song fest. Yeah. The TC Martin show song fest, the third annual. He said song thing. That's I, lo- so- I love that. Yeah. Should we just change it to the Trevor Maddox song thing? Let's song do that. thing. Yeah. It's like, it's like the swamp thing. Yeah. And you know what? I've, I've got a good one. I think, I think my pick is going to surprise a lot of people, but there's a story behind it. So don't miss it. Now, uh, we're going to start something new this year, uh, because we, we've had some of our guests, uh, thinking that it's a contest, thinking like, Oh yeah, my song and my story is going to win. And I, I had to say, Hey, this, this isn't, uh, this isn't, uh, yeah, I tell Chris Bosio, this isn't a contest. And then Numbchuck says, wait a minute. You know, we need to have an MVP. You know, I mean, every game has an MVP. So after this, the annual song fest, we need to have an MVP. So keep that in consideration, Trevor. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it's a good idea. Okay. Yeah, and it can't be a competition because, I mean, how do you judge it? Right. Um, although you could because Numchuck is, he's an extraordinary judge of music. <laughs> although really, he knows, he knows every Taylor Swift song on every album. Oh! All the way down to the last song on the album. He knows the words, he knows the key that they're written in, and he knows the boy that they're written about. <laughs> But, you know, so I stayed away from Taylor Swift on this one. I'll give you that. Thank you very little. Jeez. Yeah. (laughs) All right, brother. Look forward to talking with you tomorrow. Take care. 
All right, thanks, guys. My guy, Trevor Maddich. All right, the Songfest tomorrow, where our guests get to pick their favorite song, a little story behind it, a little quick little intro, and that's how we do it. Uh, It's fantastic. Uh, It's probably the most popular show that we do each and every year. People love it. Now, of course, I'll have a couple. Uh, Numchuck, have you thought of your song yet? I have and haven't at the same time have and haven't been kind of you know i'm doing a bunch well yeah, yeah. i understand I can't, you know but it's it's music i'll probably put it yeah 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 i'll put some thought in and give it to you all right i got you make sure man we gotta gotta, gotta gotta have you in the rotation there very curious you know do you remember what you went with before yes i do you so do i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be a repeat offender there you go okay but are you gonna be a repeat genre offender Probably not. Okay, honestly. good, good, good. So let me just ask you this. Has maybe being around me maybe swayed you a little bit in your genre selection? No, I've always been very eclectic. Oh, I know you have. That's yeah. true. That's very true. Because at first glance, may not see that with you. No. You know, but uh, yeah, because you went some, some pretty heavy, hard stuff. Last time from when I remember. Yes, I did. I, I don't even remember who the group was. I said, who, who, are, who are these It's a local guys? band. Yeah, it's a local. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're going to make you go more worldwide and national this time around. Pet Shop Boys, got you. That's a, Pet Shop Boys is taken. I can tell you that right. And we all know who's going to come with that tomorrow. So it's going to be fun tomorrow. The T.C. Martin Show Song Fest, where sports takes a break. And we let the music play. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. This doesn't sound like the usual mindless, boring chit-chat. It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. Tomorrow, the T.C. Martin Show Song Fest coming your way. Where we let the music play. What do you say? Hey, hey, hey. I don't know. I'm rolling, baby. Yep, our guests select their all-time favorite songs, get to play DJ tomorrow. This will be the uh, third rendition, Volume 3. Looking forward to it tomorrow between 2 and 4 p.m. Friday at the Westgate of Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook. All right? And, uh, yes, we look forward to handicapping week one of college football. And then, of course, our best bet segment coming your way starting next Friday. All right? Week one of the NFL, week two of college football, and we'll give you our best bet selections each and every week starting next Friday at the Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. Looking forward to all of that. And of course, oh yeah, your participation as well too. And uh, we want to hear from your songs as well too. You got favorite songs? Hit us tomorrow. Hit us now. Let us know what you like at TCMartin21 on Twitter. Give us your favorite song of all time. Yes, we plan the hits tomorrow with so many different genres as well. Got them all. Doesn't matter. And I think you're going to have a lot of surprises as well tomorrow. Tons of surprises. And you're thinking like, wow, I didn't know that athlete, that coach, that broadcaster liked that song or that type of music. So you always get those surprises there. So really looking forward to that as we do each and every time this year. And again, if you miss it tomorrow, you'll get a chance to hear it on Monday too because it is Labor Day. We'll be taking the day off. 
as we normally do and get ready for the uh, big NFL week number one, college football, and a whole lot more coming your way. So, yes, tomorrow, T.C. Martin Show Songfest, in effect. All right. Uh, we got plenty of other stuff to hit on this hour as well, too. The Raiders have gotten down to their 53-man roster, or technically the 54-man roster. And I say that because Josh Jacobs is not part of that 53-man roster as we speak right now. But Josh Jacobs is back. As you know, a couple days ago, he signed a one-year deal for $12 million. Now, I know a lot of fans are probably saying, okay... Why'd you do this? Just because you wanted to get out of training camp. You had the franchise tender that was for 10.1. You really haggled over that amount of money. You still got a one-year deal. It's not what you wanted. All right? You wanted a long-term deal. You don't go to training camp. And what does that do? Well, that just hurts your team. All right? hurt yourself as far as being ready to play, taking any time any type of hits. And I do not expect Josh Jacobs to be in great shape come week one. Now, the good thing is it gives NFL players a little bit longer to get ready for week one because normally most players didn't play in week four when they had the four preseason games. So you're getting that extended you know, break almost two weeks, about a week and a half before you get back into to action for the regular season uh, beginning. But Josh Jacobs did come back with the Raiders, been at camp this week, signed a one-year deal for $12 million. So the Raiders are going to have to cut somebody to make room for Jacobs on that roster. So uh, the Raiders made some interesting cuts yesterday that I know some people were saying, hmm, kind of interesting. As much help as they need at the cornerback position, they let uh, Duke Shelley go. All right. Sam Webb uh, also was waived. Uh, Tyler Hall. And um, a couple others that were Maybe some people are saying, you know, questionable here. But the big talk around the Raider camp was, what are they going to do with the quarterback situation? How many quarterbacks are you going to keep? Well, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo is your starter. You had the backup in Brian Hoyer, who came over from New England. You figured, okay, he's going to be your backup. But then you draft Aiden O'Connell in the fourth round from Purdue. Really not much was expected out of him. And then he lit it up in the preseason. So the Raiders announced today that Brian Hoyer is the number two. He is the backup. And there are some people out there that's losing their mind saying, well, wait a minute. You know, you've got, you know, O'Connell who played fantastic. This isn't a surprise because this just goes to show you how little the coaches think of preseason. They think very, very little. So, yes, Josh McDaniels had his mind made up. The reason why they got Hoyer, again, was because the familiarity with the system. That's why they went and got Jimmy Garoppolo. 
because they've had that relationship with both of these quarterbacks. Do you think that they're going to cut Brian Hoyer? No, they're not going to do that because they made that decision months and months ago to bring him in. So when the regular season starts and you're vying for a playoff spot, you want to go with the guys you're familiar with, the guys that have experience, that have professional football playing experience. And Aiden O'Connell may look good in preseason against second, third, and fourth stringers. That's fine, but it doesn't mean anything. And I think a lot of fans get all wrapped up, and there's a lot of media members as well, too. They get wrapped up in what you see during the preseason. That's why we don't pay attention to the preseason, because those games mean absolutely nothing, and they basically are a futile exercise for the coaching staff. And to have that many players, 90 now, where you just have the one cut, I mean, that makes it even you know more ridiculous, because... The guys that are from 70 to 90 have no shot of making the roster, and they're not seeing hardly any time on the field anyway in these preseason games. And they're certainly not seeing in practices because the practices, you're seeing the ones and the twos get all the reps. So nobody knows what Aiden O'Connell is going to be like. All right. He had a couple preseason games. He played pretty well. Yeah, great. But when it's all said and done, if Jimmy Garoppolo goes down, they're going to go to Brian Hoyer because. Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler have the utmost confidence. That's why they brought him in. And they're not going to put him out there for an extended period of time during preseason games because they don't want to get him hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo has a history of being hurt. We all know that. Raiders know that. Fans know that, right? Opponents know that. So you want to protect your backup quarterback as well. And that's what the Raiders did during the course of the preseason. So I have no problem with Hoyer being named the backup. He should. He's a better quarterback than than O'Connell. Now, did O'Connell show better during the preseason? Yes. But there wasn't enough reps to really compare the two. I mean, O'Connell got a majority of the reps because he was expendable to a certain degree. That's why he's a fourth-round pick. That's why he saw most of the live fire. Because you don't want Garoppolo to to get that fire, and you don't want Hoyer to get that fire. So, yes, Raiders made a couple cuts, and some people are questioning. Thought you know the Damian Williams situation. You go and you bring him in from Kansas City, the running back, and he gets released. And here's a guy that has experience. Is he better than Amir Abdullah? Well, Abdullah's been in the system now for you know more than a year, so it makes sense. You're gonna you're gonna go with him, but. Uh, and maybe Damian Williams is on the downside of his career, which we kind of suggested when they signed him. But uh, that could be called maybe one of the su- surprising cuts. Uh, elsewhere in the NFL, the Jonathan Taylor saga continues. The Colts had the self-imposed trade deadline of yesterday that they were going to trade Jonathan Taylor. Now, this all came about because Taylor said that he wanted a trade, basically demanded a trade. He wanted his contract restructured. And the Colts management has done this before. They said, you know what? You got your contract. You play your contract. We're done with your contract. We'll talk about it. And pretty much, that's what the Raiders have done with Josh Jacobs the last two seasons. There's nothing wrong with that. There are too many other owners and presidents or GMs will come in and say, hey, you know, let's, this guy's going to complain a little bit. We don't want to have a, a circus during training camp. 
You know, we don't want to have, you know, be the butt of jokes on social media. So let's, let's give in. Well, the Raiders says, we're not going to do that. We're going to do what's best for us. Sure. They'd love to have Josh Jacobs back. They got him back. And now it'll be another proving ground for Josh Jacobs like it was last year. If you're Josh Jacobs, I get it. He proved, you know, he didn't want that. You know, he didn't want to play out his contract last year. He wanted an extension. He wants some security. But he went out, proved himself 1,600 yards. Now he's going to have to do it again because the Raiders franchise tagged him. He said, nope, I don't want that. Now they come back and say, okay, we'll up it a little bit. So instead of the 10.1, made an incentive deal, and you got $12 million. So we'll see what Josh Jacobs brings to the table of this season. The Jonathan Taylor situation is very strange because Taylor showed up at practice in training camp and then said, yeah, I'm not good to go. Well, you're there and you saw the scowl on his face when he was there. And then finally the Colts said, you know what? Go home. You know, you're just being a distraction here. We're having to answer way too many questions. And then with a rookie head coach coming in there, he doesn't want to have to deal with all that as well, too. So uh, pretty unfortunate that the, they have that situation going in Indianapolis. But the latest is uh, Taylor wanted to trade. Colt says, fine, we'll put it out there. Exactly the same thing the Green Bay Packers did. They said, we're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers to where he wants to go. If we get the right offer, then we'll take it. Well, the Colts have not got that right offer. So the trade deadline came and went yesterday for the Colts. They had two takers. They had the Miami Dolphins and the Green Bay Packers. And Indianapolis declined both of those trade offers because they felt they did not receive a suitable offer where they were going to get either get a player or two in a return that could help them immediately or to get the draft picks that they feel that they needed from either one of those teams. So what does that mean right now? Jonathan Taylor is a Colt. Well, kind of. He is. However, Taylor is on the pup list. He's the is that means that is the physical physically unable to perform list. Now what comes with that means that he cannot play for the first 4 weeks. He's on the shelf. He can't play for 4 weeks when you're on the pup list. And the whole idea of that is if you're physically unable to perform, we don't want to rush you back. So we're going to sign somebody else, give them your spot, and then you can come back and we'll reevaluate it after four games. Is Jonathan Taylor going to be a Colt in four weeks? Now here's the deal. they The Colts can still trade Taylor, even though he's on the pup list. But I can guarantee you if... Other teams are out there, and they're going to say, "Wait a minute, you know, his ankle is is not good. It's not hundred percent. Well, why would we want to take a chance on him? The only teams that want to take a chance on him are teams that are desperate or don't have running back depth, and that's where the Packers come into play. Right now, the Packers only have three running backs on their roster. You got Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. Those guys returned from last year. Both had real good seasons, and then you got Emmanuel Wilson." Is a rookie. It's very interesting that the Packers made that offer because they know Jonathan Taylor. Now, Jonathan Taylor was a Packer fan growing up, went to the University of Wisconsin, 
they're very familiar with him. They looked very hard at drafting him, but the um, Packers selected Jordan Love and did not get uh, you know Jonathan Taylor in that draft. And Taylor's a beast. There's no question about that. But I really like what the Colts did here. The Colts said, you know, we're not playing games. It's no nonsense. We're not going to let a player dictate on what he's going to get and when we're going to re-sign him. We'll re-sign him when his contract is done. And that's a hardball approach. And it would be nice to see other teams take that same approach. And then you don't have, you know, a lot of this drama. But Jonathan Taylor is a fine running back. There's no question about that. Packers, like I said, had serious interest. The Miami Dolphins, there's another team that is looking for running back help. But you're telling me that the other 30 teams did not have interest in Jonathan Taylor? I guarantee you that the injury scared him away. Or the Colts were playing hardball in the Colts... We're asking for probably more than what teams wanted to give. Yeah, you're not going to get Jonathan Taylor for a fourth or a fifth round pick like a lot of teams would do. The Colts are saying, no, nah, we're not having any of that stuff. So the three big cases coming into training camp this year were what happens with Saquon Barkley, what happens with Jonathan Taylor, and Josh Jacobs. And the way all three of those things played out Saquon Barkley threatened to sit out, and then day one of training camp, Barkley says, okay, good, I'm in. Why? Because he didn't want to miss training camp. Because he's the only guy of these other two guys, of the three that we're talking about, that he wanted to play football. The other guys did not want to play football. Not right now they didn't, where Barkley said, you know what, I'll get a little bit more money. Remember because he signed for $11 million, same thing, franchise tag on the table, $10.1 million. I'll go ahead and you know, kind of get an incentive-laden deal. But the bottom line is, I want to play football. I think we're going to be pretty good. We have a shot. My team needs me. Go for it. Josh Jacobs instead took the other route, where he wanted to basically take to social media and bag on his his team in his front office. And then the Raiders come back and say, okay, fine, missed training camp. Well, let, let's get you here. And now we'll give you the $12 million. And then the Colts playing hardball, saying, well, we're not going to play around. Jonathan Taylor, you want to do this? You want to show up? Um, you know, act like you don't want to be here? Fine, we don't want you here. So I do like the way the Colts uh, did that. And I'll give Saquon Barkley, you know, maybe he didn't need to parade this all out and especially in the New York media where it really got all kinds of national attention, he probably just kind of kept it quiet and said, hey, okay, you know, let, let's get this deal done. If we don't, then I'll be there because he ended up being there. Now, bringing it back to Jacobs. Yeah. Do you think he will be game ready week one? No. No. You can't be game ready. You, th- you can't because... How long do you think not, it'll take You're him? not taking any hits. Week three. Three? Week three, four, he'll 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 look good. We see it every year just for the guys who are in camp yeah. that don't play in the preseason. They look like garbage in the first week. Yeah. That's a majority of those guys. I'm not saying everybody, but majority. I mean, we've seen Rodgers struggle the last couple of years right out of the gate. Why? Because you're 
they don't have the timing. I mean, you can throw all those routes you want, but until you're facing live competition, you got a target on your back, and especially your running back, and everyone knows what Josh Jacobs did last year, and we know the Raiders' offensive line, little suspect still. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Need to be in camp. Need to be there for your team. All right. I want to thank Chris Bosio for joining us today. Good stuff there. And Trevor Maddich talking a little Major League Baseball with Boz. And then, of course, a lot of college football with Trevor Maddich. Those interviews will be up on the website a little bit later on. So check that out at tcmartinshow.com. Get ready for tomorrow. Oh, uh, yeah. Playing DJ. We take a break from sports. The annual Songfest show coming your way tomorrow where our guests get to play DJ. And it's nothing but the music tomorrow. 2 to 4 p.m. with the TC Martin Show Songfest. Volume 3. Our good friend Chuck Esposito got tied up in meetings today. He couldn't join us. So he'll be back with us. And remember, once the season starts, each and every Monday. All right, Friday, we're at the Westgate. Superbook. Make sure you dial in for that. But tomorrow, I'm going to talk to you with a little rhythm going on, as you know. Join us tomorrow for the T.C. Martin Show Song Fest at 2 p.m. Yeah! Oh,